For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is Jeff Fedone with Believe in Chiefs on the Believe Podcast Network, Kansas City's number one sports podcast network, the only place with a show for every team in Casey and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? On this week's show, former Kansas City Chiefs offensive lineman Joe Valero and I discussed the Chiefs' heartbreaking loss to the Bengals and previewed the regular season finale at the Broncos. Joe, we'll do a thorough breakdown of the Chiefs-Bengals game in a bit. But first, because of your expertise on line play, I wanted to talk about Joe Tooney having to move from left guard to left tackle. We don't expect him to do that, have to do that against the Broncos because Orlando Brown was uh, back practicing. But Joe, is that a difficult transition or not? It, it, Jeff, it's, it's, I, I can't even – short of going from center to playing left tackle, like that would be – absolutely amazing but to go from guard to, to left tackle of all the of all the tackle positions it you know because obviously as you know nine times out of ten you put your best rusher out there getting after the blind side of the quarterback and all that good stuff that we know why you know left tackles are such a valued position on the line if you had to prioritize them and rank them it's you know you know, of course, he didn't have to change his stance, right, because of, you know, his le- putting his left hand down or whatever. But l- playing left tackle in the NFL is all that and a bag of chips, Jeff. So, you know, the fact that he did it and the Chiefs came out of there with no sacks, Patrick had time, he wasn't really hurried, uh, he held his own and played well. I mean, that's why they brought Joe Tooney in. I mean, you know, it just kind of – that's it. They're, in a nutshell, right, there it was. Um Amazing. I, I, you know, like I said, short of going from center where, you know, your feet are always parallel, right? Cause when you play center, your feet are always parallel. So think about, you know, watch, watch that position the next time in a game. If you really want to dive into how awesome Joe Tooney was in that game, making that switch, um, what an athlete he is. And he's not like super tall either. If you, you know, most of your left tackles are very statuesque. They have long arms to keep those speed rushers and, and you've got to be you know, fast enough to keep the speed rushers at bay and have long enough arms, but you also have to be stout enough to handle a bull rush too. Um, that alone, you know, just, he doesn't have the real, to be honest, the physical attributes to be a successful long left tackle. And that's why he's a all pro, you know, type left guard um, is, it, it, yeah, Jeff, I know I'm stumbling on myself because to me it was such an amazing feat and here I am just, I can't even get the words out to say what an awesome job it was because again like centers have their 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 legs are always parallel right their feet so they're working with those bumpers on each side of them in pass protection um and even in run blocking they're generally zone blocking very very few times in a game you will see a, a center go one-on-one against somebody um because you got your hand between your legs right that's how you start you start you start out with with one arm right so there's 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 a every position has its own you know kind of like a disadvantage of where you start center is really tough because you know you start with your hand between your legs then you go out to the left tackle left guard spot 
you know, and you still have some bumpers on both sides of you, um, it gets a little more spacey out there. Um, and then you throw yourself out into the, into the universe of left tackle and it's all space. You know, you have no bumpers, you know, you're, you're the one on camera all the time when quarterbacks getting pressure and, you know, he stepped up and did it. I mean, that was a long answer to a short question. I just, amazing. I guess I'll just end it with that. Uh, for what it's worth, Tooney did say that staying on the uh, left side didn't make it a little bit easier, you know, yeah, sure. it was going and he has played uh, tackle actually in college at North Carolina state, but you know, Joe, there were a lot of reasons um, the chiefs lost this game. I don't think offensive line play was one of them. I thought they did real well against, we talked about the Bengals defense line, Trey Hendrickson and BJ reader, pretty good one. I thought the, the offensive line reshuffled and especially Tooney played real well. Yeah. I mean, they gave, gave Patrick every, every chance to be successful. You threw a nice QBR hmm. out there, right? No sacks. Not a lot of pressures, uh, you know, rushed for a combined 155 yards as a team, you know, almost tripled the, the, the Bengals rushing attempts or rushing yardage. Um, so, you know, hats off to that line. I mean, they did it, right? This is, ex- Jeff, this is exactly what Brett Veach and Andy and, and to a certain degree Eric Bieniemy wanted, right? They wanted an offensive line that was, like you said, not going to lose them games. You know, Lucas Nyang goes out, bam, Andrew Wiley's been jumping in. You know, we've had had uh, you know Remmers. Obviously, Mike's been playing some some right tackle this year. They're just not missing a beat uh, up front, and this is I think exactly where we wanted to be going into this part of the season. You know, as the offensive line you know gets, starts to shuffle when you have injuries and players out and things like that. And I, I you're right. I, I'm going to just stop right there. This was not offensive line. This wasn't had nothing to do with them. Let's put it that way. You know. It, it definitely did not. That was not the reason they lost the game. Now, they did lose the game toward the end on a controversial call wow. on Nigerius Sneed on the fourth and goal, the legal uh, hands to the face. Joe, what was your take on that? Do you think that was – was that a bad call? Well, you know, you're out in space like that, Jeff. You know, the hand fighting that goes on, you know, you're in the end zone. I, I'm, I'm going to go either way on that one. You know, granted, I wish it didn't. And, and you know, was it a controversial call? Yeah, you could probably look at it that way. Should the, should the, you know, should the refs have let them play and said, okay, it's you know fourth down here. You know, this mm-hmm. team's got to lock them down. Um, you know, I gotta be honest, Jeff. I I, I know hindsight's twenty twenty. You can always look back. I know every fan is second guessing. I, I even said it on. I'm sitting on the couch, you know, watching watching it, and I turned to. I was watching the game with my wife and daughters, and I said, I just don't know why the Chiefs don't let them score here. You know, I look, it's an NFL team with really good running backs, a good, you know, an up and coming, I'll call him a great quarterback. Cause he was great. You know, Joe Burrow was great this week. Um, you know, it's it, again, going back to your and I's analysis that we always say that the Bengals had a lot more to lose than the chiefs had to gain. Right. By, you know, if they don't, if the Bengals don't win this game and I just knew they were going to score Jeff, like, NFL teams, it's really hard on the one-yard line with that kind of momentum to stop teams from scoring. And and I know the Chiefs put up a valiant effort. And look, the emotion of it was like, stop them. Oh, my God, one stop, two stops. Oh, my God, they're going to stop them and they're not going to score. I just I just had this feeling. Again, of course, hindsight's twenty twenty. I can always look back and say, yeah, I told you so. But I just – I just had a feeling they were going to score yeah. and I wanted, I just hope I was hoping Patrick would have as much time as possible 
with as many timeouts as possible. I just hated them for them to lose it that way, you know, with not without even getting a chance and having, you know, having a walk-off uh, field goal. So, you know, again, I, I, I put more controversy on that than I do on the call because look, it's, it's a tight zone down there. You know, teams, you know, receivers are coming off the ball, you know, D-backs are, and linebackers are trying to stuff him. He puts his hand up and he gets it, slips up into his face. And, you know, it's not a call you see a whole lot, which is that kind of, mm-hmm. I could see holding, you know, you see the ones mm-hmm. where they're dragging the shirt or, you know, they're, they're uh, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're past interference where they're not going for the ball. You know, those are so obvious sometimes, even to the casual football fan, past interference. But that one was an odd, I, I think the controversy comes in in the fact that it was an odd call. Right. And it wasn't like just one. straight yeah. pass interference or holding even. Mm-hmm. For for what it's worth to your other point, Andy Reid was was asked a lot about um, whether they should have let them score. He was Andy Reid is always a pretty jovial guy, but he was he was pretty curt. Uh, he was yeah. clearly upset after the game. Finally, it came to light on on Tuesday. Anthony Hitchens said. There's no plan to let them score until the Bengals started taking a knee. If they hadn't taken a knee, they would have let them score at that point. But, you know, the game was really kind of over at that point. Joe, I actually had more issues. There was a play where Legereus Sneed was called for unsportsmanlike conduct where he threw Jamar Chase down. I thought that was a worse call than the end call because it's like, you know, Jamar Chase, like 6'3", 220, he's yeah. killing the Chiefs. What do you expect? He's, he's trying to get him down any way possible. You know, I I didn't think that was I, – I thought that was a, a particularly bad call, that one. I, I, I would, yeah, Jeff, you, you, yeah, you, you nailed it. it. It really was a lot more air quote conf, uh, controversial, really, even than, than the, uh, the hands-to-the-face slash pass interference at the end of the game mm-hmm. because that just – you said it all. I don't even need to add. I can't, there's nothing I can add to it. It's a big dude. It's a physical game. Like it wasn't like it was something that happened, you know, it, it, it was bang, bang, you know? I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't something that was like two seconds, three seconds after the whistle, they're out of bounds or in the end zone, he throws them down. You know what I mean? It was bang, bang. I mean, you got to let these guys play. It's a physical, emotional game. Um, you don't want to, you don't want to play like that to be something that the refs get called back out on the carpet on, you know, when they're watching the game film with Roger Goodell and his, his team on Mondays, right. You don't want to be the ref sitting there going, Oh, I shouldn't have called that one. You know, the hands of the face, I don't think any, no refs going to get reprimanded for that one. It's, 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 it was bang, bang, you know, boom, call it, you know, interference, hands of the face, but that throwdown, ugh, that you're right. That, that hurt. Dude, there's a, if they see each other again, it's going to be a, it's going to be a, it's going to be a physical, it's going to be, it's going to be a rumble. They, and they very well could, you know, we, we predicted that the Chargers and the Chiefs would play again in the playoffs. That very well may come to fruition in, in the very first game. And we'll get to that and, and also more analysis on this Bengals game. But first, Bet Online has you covered this holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march through the College Bowl season and the pro football playoffs. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BLEAV to receive your bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. 
So don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing new offers available. Bet online where the game starts. Uh, Joe, the, another thing I wanted to talk about for this uh, game with the Bengals, it was so dramatic. And by the way, apologize to uh, listeners out there. I feel fine. I am going to get uh, tested after the day, but uh, I apologize that you have to put up with my uh, gravelly sounding voice. Uh, I think it really is a case of just laryngitis, but uh, we'll see later. I feel fine. But more importantly, with the fans uh, out there, the listeners certainly care more about our Chiefs coverage than and how my throat is doing. But, um, you know, a big part of this Bengals win, uh, Steve Spagnuolo is a very aggressive defensive coordinator, and he had a lot of cover zero blitzes leaving, uh, and they got good pressure on Burrow. You know, Chris Jones had a couple sacks. I think they had 10 quarterback hits as a whole. Um, But leaving Chase in single coverage a lot, especially on that third and 27, Joe, I mean, is that – were they a little over-aggressive, you think? Well, you know, Jeff, it's one thing we've been, you know, we've been talking a lot about that this year, right? Pressure, pressure. We, we, we love seeing this team pressure. We know it's one of Spag's specialties where, you know, he, he, he has uh, the ability to know when to blitz and, and when not to blitz. And, and, and maybe they did. I mean, you know, again, hindsight's always twenty twenty. We can always armchair Monday morning quarterback this and say, you know, should they have? But, you know, when, it, when, when somebody is um, – you know, when somebody's averaging 24 yards a carry or catch, uh, you know, and Grant, I know his 72-yarder his kind of pumped up that average a lot. But, you know, when somebody's getting targeted like that and he's a big dude, he's, you know, yeah, I mean, there was going to have to come a time where they were going to have to, you know, maybe just, you know, maybe double him and bring one, you know, bring one linebacker or something. There had to be, there had to be a way to get some pressure on to Burrow without sacrificing the whole defensive backfield it put them in a tough spot you know and that's really when you look at at really it was the it was the 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 bigger play right when you look at the Chiefs obviously I thought the run game looked you know with not having Clyde Edwards-Alaire I mean you know to rush for almost 160 yards and Darrell Williams you know coming in carrying the load there you know um, they were averaging six you know 6.7 yards a carry and you know without a real you know, <clears throat> without a real long one, you know, it wasn't like that 6.7 came off of a 99 yard touchdown. I mean, that, those were, they were grinding it out. I mean, and that's was the plan, right? When you're, when you, when you scored 28 points in the first half, yeah, you want to, you want to gain the clock, right? You want to, you want to make sure that you're, you know, you're in control of the game. Um, and that's, and that's where I think the chiefs were, you know, were, were really successful. Um, you know, and then obviously, towards the end of the game, you know, as, as the Bengals got, you know, rolling there and we didn't have the ball as much in the second half and only be able to put up those three points. I mean, that's where the, the time of possession started to really win out uh, or even back out. And so to answer your question, Jeff, yeah, I, th- I think looking back on it in hindsight, I'm sure Coach Spaggs would rather have changed up his pressure a little bit more, relied more on his defensive linemen and maybe one linebacker, you know, on a linebacker dog, you know, to come in and, and try to disrupt Burrow's throwing a little bit just to protect the you know, integrity of, of what was going on in, in the backfield, because, you know, <clears throat> the, you know, you look at the stat line and, you know, Burrow's average, you know, reception or, or average, you know, catch and throw to his receivers was like 11.4 yards per, per catch wow. or per throw. So that's like, that kills you, man. Cause that's, yeah. think about that over the course of the game, where the Chiefs are only averaging seven and a half yards a catch 
and 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 that's 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 almost you know that's four yards you know more every catch four yards four yards on average granted they had some long ones right um but you know because they had the big you know the big 72 yarder to chase and the 39 yarder to higgins but like those throw the stats off a little bit but still take those even those big throws out and they're still gaining more field with each pass than the chiefs were right so you're just you're just eating up yards eating up yards and and that really comes down to you know the misapplication of the pressure and leaving that little that more intermediate passing game open and leaving them more leaving the chiefs more exposed yeah, you know, another thing, too, you mentioned how they had the 28-17 lead, 28 points in the first half, scoring just three in the second half. That was a big issue for the Chiefs. It kind of did their typical thing, which we talked about. They come out like gangbusters, you know, and really jump on a team, and they kind of let a team hang in, around, hang around, get back in there. Joe, you know, I, I thought this was the toughest game on the schedule since their Titans game. Really explosive Bengals team on the road with a lot to play for. Chiefs barely lose this one at the end of the game. So is it? Do you, do you think that this is? And, and there were all the crazy questionable calls. Given that, is is there? Do you have any concerns after this? Are you like, you know what? They they just lost to a really good team barely, despite some bad calls. What what's yeah. what are you feeling after this? Yeah, I, I think that you 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 started to line up all the ingredients in the recipe for this loss, mm-hmm. right? The, the Bengals starting with the fact that they had a lot more to lose. Um, not that the Chiefs didn't have a lot to gain by this. Obviously, getting wanting to get that lock in that bye week, you know, get everybody healthy, um, you know, not have to play that extra game, and that's huge, right? Um, but right. eight wins in a row, I mean, that's it's hard. It's hard to sustain that week in week out because you know the Bengals were probably gearing up for this game three four weeks ago, knowing what they had coming and how much it was going to be on you know important to them. Um, we talked about, it. I'll pat ourselves on the back, Jeff. Uh, I'll give you, you know, you the proverbial virtual pat on the back through the computer. <laughs> it, 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 we talked about this being the toughest game in the last part of their schedule. Right. And it was like, almost like as if you saw this Bengals team progressing and Joe Burrow progressing and their offense progressing on the, on, on the week by the week. Right. And they were. And so I think, um, you know, yeah, it's a tough loss. It's tough to swallow, but I think, you know, I think it was something that, that you know Andy's going to learn from this one. You know, Coach Bags is going to look at this film 30 times and figure out a way that not let something like that happen again. And they're going to have some time. I mean, I'm not saying that anybody, you know, pull out my cold Coach Schottenheimer, nobody throws their helmet out and thinks they're going to win a game. But they are going to have some time to be able to reflect on this game a little bit more going into this Broncos week where, you know, we know the Broncos are not that strong. You know, it's not that the Chiefs are going to take them lightly because that could come back and bite them if they do. But I think they're going to have more time going into the playoffs now to think about this game that they lost to the Bengals and how much they could learn from it, both defensively and even offensively in the struggles they had in the second half. And it's funny, Jeff, because if you took the last year's team and this year's team and you mashed together their quarter scoring they'd be scoring like 60 points a game because <laughs> last year, remember last year, it was always slow start, slow yeah, start. Yeah. And then third and fourth quarter, bam, 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 bam. And the light show starts, right? Fireworks and Patrick's, you know, bam, bam. He's all over the field and they're scoring, you know, 20, 30 points in the second half. And you're like, Holy cow. Like if they could only start that way, well, we got what we wanted. We got a team that starts hot now. And, and now they can't put together the kind of drives they used to, back in the la- over the last couple of years where they scored a lot in the second half. So, you know, 
let's just mash those two philosophies together and keep that momentum going. And this team could score, you know, this team could score 40 points in a game if they really, you know, if they really worked at it. Yeah, you said, and you you mentioned the Broncos game coming up. We, you know, we both really like the Chiefs' chances in that, but it's it's still a very big game because, you know, um, first of all, if, if the Chiefs win, and you never know, weird things happen when the Dolphins and Ryan Fitzpatrick won in New England to give the Chiefs a bye. You never know if it's, it's unlikely, but the Texans could um, upset the Titans and give the Chiefs the number one seed, and they certainly need to win against the Broncos because if they don't then they you know right now is the number two seed they still get three they you know if they keep winning they would uh they would be guaranteed two home games which is a real big deal um if they lose then then all of a sudden you get into like you fall behind some of these other teams and uh it's an even tougher game Joe you have direct experience I I know it's a different deal now there's only the one team who gets the bye, but you've you've played on playoff teams who got the bye, who didn't have a bye. From from a player's perspective, how much of an advantage is it to have that bye, which the, the Chiefs, you know, are, are still trying to get, but a little bit more, yeah. much more unlikely now. Yeah, well, Jeff, it, it's 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 a little bit. It comes down to perspective and where your team is at that particular moment. You know, I think back to my two, uh, you know experiences with the in those two scenarios right in in 1993 you know we had to beat the Steelers in overtime in the first round game right divisional game at home we beat the Steelers in overtime you know we go to Houston and we're rolling like you know we're just like the momentum you know going to the house of pain like there's something to be said for playing and winning and momentum right so I go back to that you know and look Marty, Coach Schottenheimer had the same type of record that an Andy Reid does after buys. He was mm-hmm. Coach Schottenheimer was fantastic after buys. So we're thinking, you know, 1995, right? We finished 13 and three. We're home field throughout. We get that first round by. Everybody's getting healthy. They're relaxing. They're coming back. All right, we got you know Indianapolis coming into town. Turns out, you know, it's five degrees out. You know, we missed a bunch of field goals. We can't throw the ball the running game stalled in the second half and, you know, we ended up losing to the Colts because I have to say that was the year I felt like we were in my six years, that was the closest I had ever been physic mentally to a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. I was obviously closer physically when we played in the AFC championship game in Buffalo in 93, but mentally that was the closest that team had ever been to a Super Bowl because of that home field advantage and all the hype and, you know, the fact that we, the Steelers then would have had to come into our place and play us in the AFC championship game. Like that just would have been fantastic. And, you know, we would have gone back for that, that rematch with Dallas from Thanksgiving. Um, You know, that, 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 so Jeff, there's two like very different perspectives, right? One where the momentum of the, of the 93 season, we were all healthy we had very few injuries that off season or going into that off season. So, you know, playing that extra game against the Steelers, really getting the bye week didn't really do anything for us from a rest perspective, you know, then all of a sudden you flip the narrative and now you got the bye and, you know, we tanked in that game against, against the Colts. So, huh, you know, just from experience, my own personal experience, it's like, I'm almost like, just, just get, let's just play, let's mm-hmm. just play and keep rolling, you know, 
knock on wood, everybody stays healthy, right? And we come out of this Broncos game healthy. If like, you know, let's say, let's say the Titans win that game. And then we've got to, you know, we've got to host that first game with everybody healthy. It could be maybe the momentum we need. This is a team that plays with momentum, you know, and, and maybe that's just, just what they need to, to get things rolling. So, you know, I don't know. I, it's just, if, if, if you're now, if you're Tennessee, they're doing everything they can. If they had to bring out old players to win that game, they'd be bringing, you know, to get to, to get Derrick Henry healthy for that next game. My God, you know, how, how much would they be setting themselves up if they can get that by and then have Derrick Henry back for their second round game, you know, after the bye, the Titans are going to be loving life. So, you know, they're a team that's like really wants the bye. So, you know, it just depends on what's going on with the team at that point. Great insight there, Joe, from a, from a personal and a player's perspective. Now with the Broncos coming up, you know, the, the Broncos did play the Chiefs pretty tough at Arrowhead, and it is in Denver. You know, I, I think a big thing for this, Joe, uh, Teddy Bridgewater had a pretty bad concussion. I kind of wonder last game of the season, they're out of the playoffs. I think they kind of keep him out, and I, I think that's a big key to the game. Bridgewater plays – I think this is a different Broncos team. The, the Broncos are 7-7 seven and seven with Bridgewater. They have a good defense, kind of a no mistake or a, a game manager, if you will. 0-2 with Drew Locke. Um, Drew Locke is playing. I feel pretty comfortable that the Chiefs uh, uh, win this and then they can wait out and see what happens with Titans-Texans the next day. Yeah, that's really good. That's really good scenarios, Jeff. And and bringing that point up is is it really does kind of come down to that. To be honest, like let's you don't want to pin pin a whole team's uh, win or loss on one player. But you, you also know. agree it's not if if Bridgewater comes out is that you're a little more nervous about this game. As yeah, well. definitely, definitely. It's going to be you know the Chiefs are not going to be able to. I'll use a Coach Schottenheimer, you know, saying they're not going to be able to throw their helmets out there and win this game as good as they are. And, and as powerful as their offense can be and as good as their defense can play, it's still not a lock. I mean, no pun intended, uh, you know, Drew Locke. Uh, but it's not, it's not a lock for them if, if Bridgewater plays, you know, where, where it's like, oh, you know, just, you know, just show up. I mean, if he doesn't play, I, you know, I can't, I, can't see, I can't see maybe even Patrick Mahomes playing the fourth quarter. You know, if they if they get ahead by a couple of scores, a couple of touchdowns, maybe 17 points, if they're up, you know, big in the in the third or fourth quarter, maybe see if they could rest some of their players, um, and then hope that you know, hope Tennessee loses, and and if not, then you know maybe you can get a quarter a rest out of some of the starters, if they can if they can run away with it in the first half and really come out blazing. And all football fans, all Chiefs fans, will be glued to the Sunday night game, especially if the Chiefs win. And the Titans win because Sunday night, uh, Broncos, excuse me, Chargers at Raiders determines who the Chiefs will play uh, first round of the playoffs. And Joe, on those Raiders helmets will be a sticker honoring John Madden. We haven't gotten a chance to talk about this. He, you know, a big reason, not only growing up in Kansas City in the 1990s when your, your teams, Marty Schottenheimer's teams, were everything and such a big thing in Kansas City, that made me love football made me got me into what I do but also I loved watching John Madden who helped explain the game to me Joe you had some cool moments with him too with from your playing days oh my god you know it's it's John Madden like 
his 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 demeanor, his voice, the way that he brought football to the masses, you know, it just he made it fun. He took out the pretentiousness of being in the booth, um, you know, the all Madden team, putting his name, you know, being cutting edge and putting his name on a video game, right? Madden football. Like there are things that if you grew up watching him coach, listening to him in the booth, seeing him on television, he, he could make fun of himself. He had fun. It was obvious he was having fun doing what he had. He, you know, he was larger than life. I mean, he brought, you know, the Madden cruiser, right? He took a fear of flying and a dislike of flying and made it fun and built the Madden cruiser. And that became legendary, right? Getting to see the men. I'll never forget, you know, when he came in to do, we got to see the Madden cruiser in the parking lot. And then Jeff, to have John Madden call my name when I scored a touchdown, like, I, I just replay that in my mind over and over. And, you know, coach Madden and I had, had a, had an interesting connection. His, one of his sons played at Brown university in the Ivy league. So I uh, got to, to play against, uh, you know, one of his sons and um, you know, that was, you know, that was cool. Yeah, that he had, he football was just same, Joe, he was around the same year as. Yeah. His, yeah. Oh, he was, cool. big, he was a big, strong kid. And um, you know, so it just like there was all these little connections and and being on the being in John Madden football game. I mean, I'll never forget 1995 ripping open, you know, my new John Madden for my Sega. And, uh, you know, when I was still playing and, you know, you know, of course my name's in, in the program, right. The chiefs game day or like whatever pro football weekly. Cause you're on the team and all that stuff. It wasn't like seeing your name, you know, sometimes it still gave, it was still exciting to see your name, but then, but to open up a John Madden football game, and to see your name, actual name, Joe Valerio, number 73, and, and get a ranking and a rating in a John Madden football game, like, dude, like, it didn't get any better than that, you know, like, you know, to, to, to have yourself, uh, you know, part of his legend, and, and like, that's just this, all that exciting stuff. He made football fun, and you could tell by the way he coached. Um, you know, and hey, listen, I heard he was a really tough coach. Like Art Shell used to tell us a lot. He was, he was tough, you know, he was tough, but you know, you go back to, you know, um, uh, you know, the, the, the games and the win. I mean, look, t- coaches who've coached more than a hundred games, he's the all time winningest coach percentage wise, you know, the guy, he did it all. And, and he did it with a sense of passion and love of the game. And he made it fun. Like how, how do you, how do you not Love that. Art Shell used to tell us this one story when camp was getting a little wild uh, and, and it was getting really tough because John Madden was a tough coach. So let, let's have to put any, anything aside. Um, Co- coach Shell said that he was a really, really strict coach and he was tough. Mm-hmm. And to miss, <clears throat> to miss a team meal was a huge fine. It was like missing a team meeting. And one day when it was getting really heated at camp and, and Coach Madden was really wearing the guys down, uh, Ted Hendricks and John Matuzak didn't show up for lunch, which was huge fine. Like that's like big dollars, reprimanding the whole nine yards. So Coach Madden's storming around. So Coach Shell's telling us that, uh, uh, you know, Coach Madden's like storming around and he's trying to find these two knuckleheads. Where are they? How come they didn't show up for lunch? And then they, they don't, they can't find them. So they go out for the two, it's two a days, right? So they're going out for the second practice in the afternoon and on the 50 yard line of the practice field with a white tablecloth, silverware umbrella above the table, 
there's Matuzak and Ted Hendricks having lunch, waiter, a waitered lunch with the waiters in tuxedos, like the white, white jacket tuxedos, and they got the, the towels over their arms and they got the silver platters on the table. It looked like something you'd see at like, you know, some fancy, you know, uh, high class wedding. And they were eating lunch out on the 50 yard line of the field. And coach and coach shell, Archell said that coach man just, he couldn't not laugh at these two knuckleheads and, and having a little bit of fun and coach Madden there sent everybody back and gave him the afternoon off and said, all right, that's it. Go rest. So he just, you know, I'm sure there was a million stories like that, but that was one of my favorite John Madden stories and Raider stories that, uh, that coach shell used to tell us about, about some of the fun that, you know, that used to go on uh, and the shenanigans with, uh, with those old Raider teams. Before we uh, wrap up here, one last cool Madden connection to you, Joe, Uh, they actually, the video game company first wanted it to, instead of Madden being connected to the game, they first saw Joe Montana, who you of course have a connection with your former teammate. Um, But he already had like a contract with, I believe it was Atari. It's one of the other game companies. So they had to go down the list and, and, eventually ended up with Madden. So could have been a, a Montana game, just another, another cool connection there between you and, and John. Yeah. Madden. Yeah. Yeah. I had a, had a, it's funny you should bring that up, Jeff. I have a um, Genesis uh, EA sports, I think was the, was the manufacturer put out. Mm-hmm. I think it was 94, the 94 uh, NFL version that, that they were putting out um, under that brand, not the Madden brand, but there's a, I'm on the cover blocking for Joe Montana and it's I am doing everything I possibly can to keep Bruce Smith off of Joe Montana so it's so funny because I'm like laying out like giving it everything I had so Joe didn't get hit by Bruce Smith so uh, I had to jump in 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 a game Uh, when we played the Bills I had to jump in the game Dave Zod had gotten hurt I went in at left guard and uh, played most of the game at left guard uh, you know alongside John All and um and I was uh, I was blocking for Joe, and I ended up with my face on the uh, on the uh, on the Joe Montana picture of of the Genesis uh, EA Sports cover. So, not not hey, I kept him off of Joe. So good moment there. But I think Joe did have to step up in the pocket. But <laughs> that's a great story. Very cool, Joe. Well, if you enjoyed this show presented by Bet Online, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available in your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. And my voice will be a little bit stronger next week, too. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.